Hack. We have to pick one side. We can't just sit in the middle. Hack. Two weeks ago, a riot broke out in the Western Australian gold mining town of Kalgoorlie. Did you want to come in or you're right out there? This woman was barricaded in her shop while this was going on outside. Hundreds of the town's indigenous people were out on the streets. Police were being pelted with rocks and bottles and windows were being smashed. The day before, a 14-year-old indigenous boy, Elijah Doughty, was killed. He was riding a stolen motorbike when he was allegedly hit by a man driving a ute. Now, why did this push Kalgoorlie into violent, racially divided chaos? Did the indigenous people protesting have a good reason to be angry? And what led up to this flashpoint? Well, we're going to answer all of those questions. Today, we're bringing you part one of a series that takes an in-depth look at why Elijah's death has divided Kalgoorlie. Now, since the death and the riot two weeks ago, our reporter, James Batil, has been in Kalgoorlie. It's a town of 30,000 people. Around 7% are Indigenous. And James has been walking the streets, speaking to locals, to bring you all sides of this heartbreaking story. How long have you been here for, Harry? A few days now, I guess. Uh, the guys, the original coming on Monday. Yeah. Uh, this is my nephew. Elijah, rest in peace. It's about two weeks since Elijah Doughty was killed and the creek bed where he died is now a shrine. There's photos, flowers and wind chimes. Uh, my nephew is a lovely boy, pretty boy, you know, um, happy, you know, young bloke, you know, as kids are, you know, they do what they do. Just a few metres away there's a camp with maybe a dozen tents and there's kangaroo stew and damper and the other day police donated some footballs. Harry is Elijah's uncle. I'm feeling real sad. Um, no sport in Australia. I feel under threat by the whites. Um, feel under threat by my own culture, where my own people won't come here and show love and sit here with us mob at the moment. I feel like no one's uh, listening in this country. The camp formed almost straight after Elijah's death, and it's become the centre of the national protest calling for justice for the 14-year-old boy. There have been rallies in cities and towns from coast to coast, but we won't know exactly what happened and how Elijah died until it goes to court. What we do know is that about two weeks ago, on a Monday morning, Elijah was riding a motorbike through the big nature strip near his house. There was a playground down there. That is a playground. He's been playing, playing down there in Gribble Creek since he was a little kid. And he's a swim down there in the summertime. Ride motorbikes down there. My name's Albert Dowdy. I live at, um, in Boulder. And, and you're Elijah's grandfather? Yes, I'm Elijah's grandfather. He's um, my son's youngest son. Well, I got a phone call at work and they want to check on your kids, find out where they are. And I knew Elijah wasn't at school. And then I went down there and they said, my boy's been run over and arrested some man up there with a four-wheel drive. So I went down there and... I've seen police everywhere and, and I spoke to the detectives and the detectives think it's your grandson, Elijah. An hour after that, I'd go down to the hospital. I'd go and identify, see if it was Elijah and, and it, was, it was Elijah's body, dead. The news travelled through the local Indigenous community fast. Teachers at the local high school started getting frantic calls from mothers 
asking if their child was safe in class. Elijah's auntie, Dai Tucker, was on the way to see a relative in hospital. We've seen all the police and um, what's going on over there and what they said. They said that one little young boy said to me, he said, he said, oh, that was my cousin Elijah Dowdy. Certainly in the Aboriginal community, I think um, they knew about it really fast. I mean, we had three, had three rangers in there that morning and all their phones started going at the same time. Darren Forster manages an Aboriginal ranger program in the goldfields. They knew a young Aboriginal boy had died. I could see the tension um, building in the rangers. That same day, police arrested a 55-year-old white man. It's alleged he was driving a ute that struck Elijah and dragged him under the car. When it was announced he had been charged with manslaughter, there was outrage. It wasn't long before the man was being named online, and his wife and children left town in fear of reprisals, and threats were being made online to torch the family home. I've probably never seen as much rumour and innuendo around a case as I have with this one. Hi, I'm Daryl Gaunt. I'm the District Police Superintendent of the Goldfields Esperance District in Western Australia. Daryl Gaunt has been a police officer for 30 years. Now, we were dealing from day one with the fact that there were multiple other kids involved. We were dealing with the fact that there was allegations that the boy had been stabbed. Um, for days after, no matter how hard we tried to get the message out, there was rumours that other boys had been stabbed and one had even um, died in the Kalgoorlie Hospital. So these things were all completely untrue and we've put that message out repeatedly and yet they're still appearing on social media and other forums and you then have to question what's, what's the reason they're doing that. That night, people gathered for a vigil where Elijah's body had been found. His alleged killer was scheduled to appear in local court the very next day. Some in the town anticipated anger and violence at the courthouse, but no extra police were flown up from Perth overnight. The tension in the town was seemingly building really rapidly. Here's Darren Forster again. It seemed to be an instant kind of divide, you know, in, in what is a, quite a small community. At that point, did you have a feeling that this would grow into something larger? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, desperation and despair in the Aboriginal community out here, and I immediately feared an incident like this may be the straw that broke the camel's back. There was lots of anger and lots of sadness and lots of frustration immediately visible with the guys that I, you know, work with and work for. Did, did you fear there would be a riot? I definitely felt the tension was at fever pitch. You're listening to Hack on Triple J with Tom Tilly. Darren Foster there, he manages an Aboriginal ranger program in the goldfields. He was speaking to James Patil in Kalgoorlie. You're listening to Triple J's Hack Program, and this is part one of a three-part series looking at the death of 14-year-old Elijah Doughty. He was riding a stolen motorbike two weeks ago when he was hit by a man driving a ute. He died, and a massive riot broke out the next day. I'd love to get your reaction to this story. Text 0439 757 One person says... The victims of these sorts of thefts should be the ones protesting. All right, well, let's get back into the story with James Patil as he find out, finds out what led up to the riot that got the nation's attention. Oh, there's a lot of history that's been swept underneath the carpet. Bronwyn Newland is one of the leaders at the protest camp. She's stirring kangaroo stew and keeping the peace. She says this whole story is about way more than the death of Elijah. The girl that was mowed down in the street 
That was Elijah's auntie. Justice was done there? I don't think so. History will repeat itself time and time again. Nine years ago, at almost the exact same spot as where the protest against Elijah's death would be held, on the main street of town, Elijah's aunt, Blanche Ursula Smith, was killed in a hit and run. The crash was caught on CCTV, but no one was charged. Look at my niece. They got killed in Anna Street. Got hit and run. Di Tucker is her auntie. Right there, right at the courthouse there. The person who killed her has never been picked up. Were people thinking about that on Tuesday, the day of the protest? Yeah, of course. One year later, the Aboriginal elder, Mr Ward, was cooked to death in the back of an overheated prison transport van on his way to Kalgoorlie. Authorities eventually pleaded guilty to his death. Oh, yeah, he's my son-in-law. So just in this one campsite, there are two very personal histories of what they see as state-sanctioned injustice, and that's going back less than 10 years. The history of colonialism and dispossession is close to the surface here. Elijah was partly raised by his grandfather, Albert, who was one of the stolen generations. Probably one of the things that uh, surprised me to one level was that when we met with the Indigenous community, the death of this boy, I would suggest, was more of a tipping point than the incident in itself. Here's Kalgoorlie's acting police commander, Daryl Gaunt. Yeah, and I heard a lot of frustration and a lot of uh, long-held anger coming out of those people and this was only the tip of the iceberg. The, this was just the end result for them of a whole raft of issues they'd been keeping inside and that comes back to issues over uh, stolen generation. Yeah, we've just driven past the main intersection of town of Hannon and Maritana Street and, and a group formed up there to do a, a protest march from there to the courthouse. It started off quite peaceful and it was just a march, but then when they got to the courthouse, things started ramping up when you know the, they wanted to actually all go into the court and see the accused. They didn't bring weapons with them. They were all stuff that they found there. So there wasn't actually a plan to, to do that, but yeah, we can't excuse it either. They terrified a lot of people. Oh my God, you wouldn't want your son to be out there to be a policeman, would you? Look at that poor lady. Oh God. I've got dogs down there as well now. Just up the street, Naomi Bodiker was watching the violence through the windows of the travel agency where she worked. Did you want to come in or you're right out there? That's her mum in the background. Okay, it's just so bloody traumatic. Oh, um, yeah, I just wanted to ring to let you know how bad it was. Um, yeah, I am 19. I grew up here. I'm local and pretty much I just came to work one day. Just saw a whole bunch of people out the front of the courthouse and um, it was getting a little bit violent and, I don't know, sort of tense. It was like maybe 10 minutes after the police came into the shop to tell us to lock up that they got... Um, they started getting rocks and, you know, getting bashed up and all this and they're out in their riot gear. This has never happened before. There are about 200 in the crowd, but police allege the actual violence was mostly being committed by less than 20 teenagers. And the youngest of these was about 10 years old. If you were in lockdown, it was just a real traumatic thing to be watching. There's little kids running down the street screaming and kids and teenagers being thrown in paddy wagons, policemen being um, mobbed and all that. Elijah's grandfather, Albert, appealed for calm. 
told him, you know, justice's got to take his course and let the police do their job. And What do you think of that violence? Do you, do you think they did the right thing? No, no, I don't command violence at all. I don't like violence. Elijah's 18-year-old cousin, Hayley, also tried to stop the violence. On Monday, was a little bit upset, when it came, but then when it came to Tuesday, I guess I was just angry at what had happened and a lot of us had went down to the courthouse to protest peacefully, but it had got out of hand. You may have already seen Hayley in a photo in the news. Police are surrounded and being pelted with rocks and she's facing down the crowd with her arms out wide. An Indigenous teenager protecting adult police officers. I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. It was a split-second thinking. Not really, didn't really think about what my actions were or what the consequences could have been if it didn't go right. There was a lot of reports that uh, riot police were called out. Well, they weren't riot police. They were the boys and girls from Kalgoorlie Police and, and surrounding towns who were just thrown into the situation of suddenly having to kit up with uh, riot equipment and, uh, and go into that environment. So. This, uh, this has shaken a lot of people up a lot. Police closed the main street and by about midday, the violence had died down. On the surface, at least, there was calm. Um, I think there's a very high possibility of a race divide, as much as I don't want to think that. Um, I feel like we have to pick one side. We can't just sit in the middle. What's it been like since then here? It's really changed the town? No, it's changed all of Kalgoorlie. It has. We ain't going to get over this. No one will ever get over it. You're listening to Hack on Triple J with Tom Tilly. That was the end of part one of James Pertil's in-depth look at Kalgoorlie and the riot that happened there two weeks ago on the text line. Terribly sad story, but still wondering what the riot is for or trying to achieve. Someone else says, this question isn't about petty theft. It's about the cheapness of life. Why is life so cheap in these areas when you're Indigenous? Someone else says, this is in the same vein of, as the Black Lives Matter movement. Ill-informed, overly emotional people getting involved in matters that are being handled by authorities. Someone else says, no more Indigenous deaths. We have a responsibility to listen, Georgia from Melbourne. Well, let's speak to a Kalgoorlie local right now, Debbie Carmody works at the local Indigenous community radio station. And, Debbie, it's great to have you there joining us in Kalgoorlie. Thank you so much for that. It's two weeks uh, since Elijah's death and the riot. Is there still a lot of tension there in Kalgoorlie? No, not at all. And um, <clears throat> there's... Um, I just want to say first that on that day, the Wongai community gathered on that day to support the family at court just to support the family. Mm. But you could feel the great sorrow within people as they gathered, and it was quiet. People had their heads bowed in respect. You could feel the pain in the silence because it seemed to radiate out in a deafening way. So the sorrow was very deep and intense, and that's how the day uh, began. But um, when people were standing out on Hannon Street in Kalgoorlie, there was... A, a rising sense of hopelessness and disempowerment. So people walked up to the main set of traffic lights and stopped traffic. A banner reading justice 
appeared from nowhere and people paraded it around so that people in cars um, at the stop traffic lights could see that Wongai people wanted justice and that our black lives do matter. And how did it turn from that point to become a violent riot? Well, I don't call it a violent riot, but how it turned was that there were two issues people were angry about. Why did the man, why was he only charged with manslaughter? And why did police do nothing about shutting down two social media sites that posted comments that were derogatory to Wongai and Aboriginal Nations people? These two sites not only racially vilified Wongai youths, but openly incited racist attacks on youth. You're listening to Triple J's Hack Program. We're talking to Debbie Carmody, uh, who's an in Indigenous uh, member of the community there in Kalgoorlie on the text line. I was disgusted at the racism of whites towards Aboriginals that I met in far north Queensland. Someone says, why is the mainstream media not reporting this? Greg from Bathurst. Um, Where's it going to go from here, Debbie? Do you th see things calming down or is the tension going to continue in the community? Uh, it's calmed down. We're going through sorry um, period and the funeral will be on the 27th of September. And we are waiting, and then not just us, but the eyes of Australia, we are waiting on the justice system. Um, we believe that his uh, charge should be upgraded to murder. And we, so we're just waiting. So you're fighting for that. Well, we're going to keep covering the story on this program to see what happens from here. Uh, Debbie, great to have you joining us there from Kalgoorlie. Hack on Triple J. Ah! You get tickets in any society. I never said that I thought it would be bad. Are you high now? Yeah. Hey, Tom Tilly with you for Hack. Today we are going back to Kalgoorlie. Two weeks ago, 14-year-old Indigenous boy Elijah Doughty was riding a stolen motorbike when he was allegedly run down by a man in a ute. The boy died and it sparked a protest which got really ugly. <laughs> Windows were smashed, cops were pelted with rocks, and in part one, Indigenous locals told us what made them so angry about this death. There was a rising sense of hopelessness and disempowerment. Wongai people wanted justice and that our black lives do matter. Today, in part two of our three-part series, we find out what made the rest of the community so angry. Crime. We deal almost exclusively with young juvenile males who are of Aboriginal origin. Hack on Triple J with Tom Tilly. A large number of Kalgoorlie locals are completely fed up with the level of crime committed by Indigenous teenagers like Elijah. As reporter James Patil found out, that frustration played out intensely on two local Facebook groups. Uh, fourth generation, family's been here for over 150 years from the start, so yeah, um, we've seen some good stuff and some uh, downturns, but fabulous town and we want to talk about crime today, is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's John, a Kalgoorlie local who doesn't beat around the bush. Yeah, well, I, I think in the last 20 years, um, crime sort of uh, lifted up in a, in a haste, and I don't think it's due to uh, boredom with the kids because we've got you know, wonderful facilities. I think it's what it's coming down to is, you know, taking a car for a joyride or taking someone's motorbike. Have you ever had anything stolen? 
Yeah, I have actually. Um, I brought a uh, Toyota Land Cruiser 100 Series. We paid about $22,000 for it. They took the car, they broke into our house, took the keys off the table. How, how did it make you feel? Violated in your own home. Kim is John's wife. Being in your house when you're asleep, it's like, oh my God, what else could they have done? It's scary. Kim was a member of two Kalgoorlie community Facebook pages where locals talked about people's bad parking, bad service, but mostly crime, real and imagined. It was a communicable sort of a, a page, you know, like everyone can have their say, but then it, it, you get the odd person that, that will discredit another person. But over the years, the pages became forums for racist abuse. And then start calling them racial names and, and whatever else. And, that, and that, that really got out of hand, like, and it should have been stopped. At, yeah, I totally agree with them about that. Each page had around 18,000 members, so if you live in Kalgoorlie and use Facebook, you were probably on the pages. In the months leading up to Elijah's death, some members had been amping each other up to become vigilantes, taking the law into their own hands, including running over Indigenous boys who were riding stolen motorbikes. In August, a man wrote, Feel free to run the oxygen thieves off the road if you see them. And another said, Everyone talks about hunting these subhuman mutts, but no one ever does. In July, someone called for an annual cull, and someone else suggested dumping the bodies down empty mine shafts. Earlier this year, Kim wrote a similar post, and since the death of Elijah, it has been circulated widely. She is now getting threats from all over the country. I've got many <laughs> Aboriginal friends. We've got heaps, you know, like, I'm not racial, not, not racial. one part. I don't think it's an Aboriginal thing and I don't think it's a white thing and I don't think it's a Chinese thing or whatever, you know what I mean? We're an all-nation country. Kim and her husband John asked that I don't use their real names or tell you exactly what Kim wrote. The couple say the town does not have a problem with racism but a problem with crime and vigilantes in four-wheel drives were hooning after teenagers on bikes. Yeah, it does. We're actually, as you know, we live just on the skirts of town here. I've seen, you know, people chasing quads, other quads and cars chasing, you know, motorbikes and all that. And sensibility as you get older, you say, well, you don't hop in a car and you don't chase someone because you put both of yourselves at risk. Um, but, you know, when they're 20 or 30 years of age, they don't think about that. They think about their asset has just been taken and they want to get it back. Uh, if you ring up the police and their action is, we'll address it in another half an hour or an hour, or maybe it's just a motorbike stolen, we can't do much about it. Maybe that's why they are, you know, the, that sort of age group is taking matters into their own hands, trying to get back their assets, you know what I mean? Do, do you think maybe seeing an Aboriginal boy on a bike, it's people would more often assume that it is stolen? No, no I actually disagree with you there. It, I don't think it's, um, you know what I mean, they took my Toyota, we'll say I'm one Aboriginal and a, and a white kid. What sort of racism have you seen in Kalgoorlie? Has anything happened to you? Not to me in particular, but my brothers, because they're... They are, they are dark-skinned compared to me. Hayley is Elijah's 18-year-old cousin. Three of my brothers, they were riding their own bikes and a lot of people did actually pull them over or try to run them off the road on their own bikes. They've been targeted by people in cars when they're on their bikes? Yeah, and my mum has told them numerous times to actually take their bikes out, out of town and not ride them around on the roads because she knows a lot has been happening. They won't listen. Boys will be boys. So you, your mum had actually warned them about that already? Yeah, she's warned. She has warned my brothers. She's warned Elijah a lot of times when they did have their bikes. A lot of people in Kalgoorlie have their own stories about vigilantism. 
At the protest camp set up where Elijah died, the people staying there say they have been harassed by men in four-wheel drives. Two white blokes in their four-wheel drives, their V8s, some putting spotlights on us. We don't sleep. We're getting threats. Niggas, pack your shit up and get out. Hack. Triple J. You're listening to Triple J's Hack program. James Patil reporting there in Kalgoorlie. It's part two of our in-depth look at the death of 14-year-old Elijah Dowdy. He was riding a stolen motorbike two weeks ago, allegedly run down by a man in a ute. He died and the next day there was a protest that turned into a riot in the Western Australian mining town. And we're finding out what was going on in this community in the lead-up to his death that will explain such a strong reaction to this on the text line. Mate, it's not just Cal. I live uh, up the road in Leonora and things go missing from my yard all the time. If I leave my smokes out the next morning, they are gone. Even take the ashtray. Last week, my $600 mountain bike went missing. Someone else says crime has increased because the government forgets about this small town. They're not giving the Aboriginal community the support they need. Someone else says all you city-dwelling lefties need to get out into the bush. There's a lack of respect for everyone, including themselves. Love to hear your reaction. 0439757555 is the text line. Let's talk to the acting mayor of Kalgoorlie, Boulder. His name is Alan Pendle be great to get his reaction. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. As the acting mayor of this community, how did the riot make you feel? Well, Tom, I uh, probably best describe it as uh, extremely disappointed um, at this event. Um, and I can say that on behalf of the whole community, which I will add consists of both uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people that uh, shared that disappointment. Do you feel that it made Kalgoorlie look like a racist town? Look, I'd be naive in saying that there isn't some racial tension from time to time here, but I don't think it's any more than any other towns and cities um, throughout Western Australia and indeed throughout Australia um, that have Indigenous and non-Indigenous people making up their population. So essentially you're saying in towns like Kalgoorlie uh, an element of racism is just part of life? Well, um, sadly, I suppose it is, um, and it's a very, very small minority. Um, I think we've got to remember that in this incident there was some 300 um, Indigenous protesting that day and around 30 or 40 had become violent. And um, from what I understand, there were many of those um, peacefully protesting weren't happy about that either. Yeah, well, we heard from one of them yesterday and, and she was at pains to point out that it started out as a peaceful protest, but a small number of people took it off the rails. Now, in the story we just heard, uh, there were mention of two Facebook pages, Kalgoorlie Crimes Whinge and Wine and Name and Shame Kalgoorlie. And there were some hectic statements made on, on those two pages about crime and about Aboriginal people. Did you know this was going on in the lead up to Elijah's death? Not to this degree, Tom, um, and it's very sad that a, a very useful and powerful tool such as so, in social media world uh, can be abused like this. Um, there's, uh, look, there have been plenty of instances um, relayed to me where people had been extremely derogatory uh, about local business and, and local people. I didn't realise it, uh, it certainly wasn't brought to my attention that it was 
this bad from a racism point of view. Yeah, I mean, um, let's let's go back to some of the things that were said. People talked about an annual cull. Someone else suggested dumping the bodies down empty mine shafts. What do you think of those comments? Oh, aren't they disappointing? Um, look, I just don't understand people sometimes. I, I can't um, accept those uh, comments that are made. I don't understand why people make them. I understand people do get upset from time to time and may have issues that uh, they're concerned about, but... Um, to go to that extreme is um, very, very disappointing. So if you'd known about those statements um, around the time of Elijah's death or particularly leading up to it, would you have done anything? Would you have made a public statement? Would you have condemned those statements? Would you have tried to get the, the page taken down from Facebook? What would you have done? Well, there's not a lot we can do as a, uh, as a, a city council, but um, I understand the police were monitoring it pretty um, closely but I don't think there was any uh, evidence to them that there was any worse than it had been. Look, the, the important thing is to to note that both those sites have since closed down um, and there's a lot of people in our community, a lot of people that are extremely pleased about that. On the text line, uh, racism doesn't choose where to exist sadly, it exists everywhere. Someone else says Cronulla started peacefully as well. Funny how differently they are portrayed. Uh, someone else says Townsville has an issue with youth doing the same thing. Theft from Carl. Hack. I guess I was just angry at what had happened. If you were in lockdown, it was just a real traumatic thing to be watching. You know, like, I'm not racial, not one part. Hack. You're listening to part two of our in-depth report into the death of Elijah Doughty, the 14-year-old Indigenous boy from Kalgoorlie. And you just heard us talking about the two Facebook groups where people were venting heavily about Indigenous crime. And when I say venting, in some cases I mean threatening to run Indigenous kids down. And those people were saying those kinds of things because they were fed up with crime in Kalgoorlie. So let's find out how bad the crime problem really is. Here's James Patil riding alongside Kalgoorlie's top cop. We're actually just driving past the up to the courthouse where the uh, protest took place. So today looks like a, a fairly normal Sunday, um, but it certainly there's a calmness around town. There's a few people wandering around, lots of four-wheel drives, and uh, Daryl Gaunt has been a policeman for 30 years. He's Kalgoorlie's acting police commander. Well, Kalgoorlie's very similar. Um, it was actually part of a job I did before I came up to Kalgoorlie. Was looking across all of regional WA, and Kalgoorlie has very similar crime rates, crime trends, and even crime types as most of the other major centres. Has a number of police officers gone down over time? No, definitely not. In fact, Kalgoorlie, for its size, has probably been the best-placed uh, city in WA. Among some people, there's this perception that it's crime's getting much worse and that antisocial behaviour's getting much worse. But you're saying that it's actually... The statistics show that it's going, going down over time? The reality is Kalgoorlie uh, has a reputation over time that it doesn't deserve. It's actually a fantastic place to live. Police are saying crime in Kalgoorlie isn't too bad. So why are so many residents saying the exact opposite? One reason could be that certain kinds of crime have gone up. In the year to July, there was an increase of 406 vehicle thefts. And most of this happened over two weeks in summer, when 192 offences were reported to police. That's an incredible figure. 192 vehicles were stolen over two weeks. And a lot of the stolen vehicles were motorbikes. Certainly there's a level of frustration with 
what the broader community thinks is a crime problem and a youth problem and they certainly see the Aboriginal youth as being a core part of that problem and the reality is they are. You know, they're, they're way overrepresented in that space for us. You know, we deal almost exclusively when we talk about our priority and prolific offenders with young juvenile males uh, who are of Aboriginal origin. Elijah was riding a stolen motorbike when he was killed and his friends say he didn't steal the bike, it was handballed to him. We do know that he was a priority offender, meaning police had identified him as a person at risk of committing a crime. Elijah died riding a motorbike in bushland two weeks ago. I started knocking on doors of houses nearby. Um, my name is Shane. I live next to the park where the young boy was uh, killed. This is your dog? Yes, that's Odin. Could you just describe this area over the back fence to people who aren't here? It's mildly sort of dense bushland, you know, small shrubs, some large trees. It's like a nature strip. It runs right through town. The area is called Gribble Creek to the locals. Yes, we, we get quite a few people um, riding bikes through this area. Sometimes we get a bit of hoonings and cars and so forth. I think we can even hear one guy driving up and down right now, right? Yes, there's, there's a bike in distance, probably about 500 metres away. There's been a number of uh, times I've witnessed uh, people chasing other people on bikes. One particular instance a few months ago, uh, five cars came from different directions and cornered a boy on a bike. They manhandled them off the bike and uh, I called the police and was told by the person I was speaking to that there'd recently been a uh, bike stolen half an hour ago. Shane wasn't a witness to the death of Elijah, but he does have security cameras facing the bushland and he says he's given the footage to police. Police say no witnesses have come forward and it'll be up to the courts to determine how and why Elijah died. But what about the issue of people on bikes being chased? Here's Kalgoorlie's acting police commander, Daryl Gaunt. We've only really just started looking into that in the, in the broader context. Um, it's certainly not something that had been raised and brought to light beforehand. Do you think Kalgoorlie has a problem with racism? Really hard to tell. Um, I think what probably happens in Kalgoorlie to a large degree is those people get more of a voice here than they do in other places. That voice is amplified by the Kalgoorlie community Facebook pages you heard about earlier. Most of the racist comments were made by only a couple dozen accounts and some of these accounts turned out to be fake, but they dominated the page. There were dozens of hateful comments. I myself have complained about those sites to the police. Libby Carmody is a Kalgoorlie local. And also followed the process on the Facebook page itself and reported the pages. So what happened to those complaints? Nothing. They sent me an email saying that the complaints have um, been read and that they found that both pages had not breached their community standards. Police told locals they didn't have any power to shut down the page. The community had effectively lost control of its most public forum and then Elijah died. At a moment of tragedy, some people seemed to be celebrating and inciting anger. A fake account with a profile pic of an Indigenous teenager posted, Good job, you thieving bastard. Don't think you'll be touching another bike anytime soon. It's about time someone took it into their own hands. Hope it happens again. A few days later, under pressure from police and the community, the moderators of both Facebook pages finally shut them down. Like the rest of the town, Haley, Elijah's cousin, was a member of the Facebook pages. 
It must have been really hard for you to see what was written about Elijah. Yeah, and it was pretty disgusting to see that a lot of people had written that about a child that had just passed while his family was still grieving. Do you think your brothers will keep riding their bikes in town? I don't think so after what has happened, losing someone so close to them. Hack. Triple J. Haley, Elijah's 18-year-old cousin, speaking with James Patil in Kalgoorlie. On the text line, after spending a couple of years living and working in a remote Aboriginal community in the Northern Territory, I'm all too familiar with the us versus them attitude. Someone else says, and our Prime Minister says that we can trust Australians not to say vile things during a plebiscite. Just look at the putrid social media posts regarding this and other race-based stuff. Someone else says, racism is racism. It doesn't matter who commits a crime. There is no need to bring race into it, address the issues. It's 2016, not 1880. Shay says there needs to be more accountability on social media and the government needs to be more active. Freedom of speech should not apply to racism and bigotry. Someone else says, Tom, such a touchy subject. You are doing a great job. Good luck. At the end of the day, if we can eradicate hate, bullying and this shit, we'll all be so much happier. I'd love to hear your reaction. Are you from a regional town in Australia? Do any of these stories resonate with you? Give us a call, 1300-055-36. Let's go back to the acting mayor of Kalgoorlie, Alan Pendle. It's great to have you here, I guess, giving your point of view on this story. It was wild to hear about 192 cars being stolen in two weeks over summer. Uh, and we heard the police talk about the crime problem from their point of view. How bad do you think it really is? Oh, look, um, it's obviously any crime is uh, too much crime, isn't it, Tom? I mean, um, again, um, the police have worked extremely hard in this um, in this city and in in the district in the whole district at uh, at crime. Um, and you know, I think you have runs. Um, I've got people that live in other large uh, regional towns and cities in Western Australia, and I speak to them from time to time. And some of their problems are greater than ours at that time and at other times ours are greater than theirs. So so is it a big ongoing trend for you guys, crime going upwards, or does it just waver up and down? Oh, look, you'd have to speak to the police. I don't have those stats with me, but I understand that it does go up and down and uh, they have a good run and uh, get it under control and uh, then something will blow out. And uh, like the fortnight that we were talked about with those 192 vehicles stolen, you know, that was extraordinary. But um, that certainly doesn't happen every fortnight. Do you think that it's mostly an Indigenous problem? Look, that's where a strong focus has been. It's not solely Indigenous. Um, There are non-Indigenous crimes occurring at the moment. So, but look, we we do have a a, a juvenile uh, crime rate that's probably unacceptable um, and as I said the police have really focused on that over the past 18 months in particular um, when it started to when it emerged um, so look I, I it yes it is but uh, it's not not uh, exclusively to the non, uh, to the indigenous yeah well we heard the police say that they're spending most of their time chasing indigenous teenagers. Um, so are locals really being racist when they talk about the indigenous crime problem? No, I don't think that's a racist comment at all. Um, if the facts are that um, a high percentage of the, uh, and we're talking at juvenile crime, is um, being committed by Aboriginal 
then that's a matter of fact. So I don't think that statement uh, is racist at all. Why do you think there is a, a problem with crime amongst Indigenous teenagers? Look, I'm not qualified to answer that. Um, I've uh, attended lots of meetings over the last fortnight. Um, is it about disadvantage? Is it about those broader problems that, that probably got a lot of those Indigenous people out on the street to protest two weeks ago? Look, from what I've gathered in the last fortnight, I think there's a lack of respect um, given by a lot of these young people to their elders. Now, again, um, you can go into many, many schools throughout this country and, and speak with um, teachers and you'll be told that there's also a lot of respect given by the non-Indigenous kids too to their elders. Um, so, you know, that's changed. Um, that's changed from when I was young. But I think it's the fact that, that young kids, black and white, um, don't always... And, and look, we're talking about a minority. We're talking about a minority of kids here that don't show respect to, to elders. Um, but I think it's a, it's a, a growing issue. Uh, Alan Pendle, uh, acting mayor there in Kalgoorlie, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for making time for us today. Thanks very much, Tom. Hack. Triple J.